0: Well, a happy new year again to everybody. How's your new year going? Through all three days of it, doing okay? All right, so far so good. Um, You know, I'm not so sure about some of the new year resolutions that we make. It's as Americans, we have this thing called new year resolution. How many of you made some? Uh, That's good, not a whole lot. Okay, you know, resolutions like lose 10 pounds or join the fitness club or... um, I I love these, I'm going to pray more, I'm going to be, I'm not sure how you really measure that, but let's all be better people, right? Whatever that means. Um, Those are the resolutions that we find in our society. Um, But I do believe in setting goals. I think setting goals are important so that we have direction and know where to focus our time and our energy. You've heard it said that if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. So it's good to have goals in our life that help direct our time, our resources, our energy. Proverbs says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And I think that's true, or it says, or they are without restraint. If we don't know where we're going, then what do we do with each day? What do we do with our time and our energies? So I think it's good for us to have direction and goals. For myself... I've been working on a book for a long time, like a long time. And this year, as I was praying about this year, I felt the Lord say, get it, do it. So I made the commitment, I thought I'd put it public, I'm going to finish a book this year, okay? And I, I, it's a book I'm writing for my sons, so I say my first run will be three copies And then after that, we'll see if we make a second edition of another 10 or so. You know, we're going to have some fun. But I something God's put in my heart for this life, and I want to be faithful with that this year. You know, as you're making goals, you've heard these things. I I like it, the SMART goals. As you're looking for goals for your life, SMART is simply specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, time-bound. Like, that's when you say, I'm going to be a better person What does that mean? You can't describe it, you know, have any time. There's no way to measure it. Make some goals for your life this year, but do it in prayer before the Lord. You know, things get changed. I realize that we say, you know, when I look at some of the goals for the church, my first thought is, how do you make goals in COVID? You make plans, they change. You make dates, things change. So there's a tendency to say, I'm going to wait till it all blows over and then we'll figure it out, but I don't think that's a great idea, because by the time it all blows over, the year could be gone, we don't know how it's going to work this year, and I think it's better to pray before the Lord, make some direction, and then we flow with it, we make the changes that we have to make as the year comes our way, so be in prayer, and ask the Lord, what goals will we have for you this year, um, Curtis mentioned some of the financial goals we had here as a church. Uh, we've had a good year. I want to just say that with joy in my heart. I was getting some of the financial reports this year, and I thought, wow, this year could have gone very, very different for us. And I just want to share some general responses that as far as the budget of the church. The last report I had, we've gone $20,000 over the budget last year. That's incredible. Um, I've heard of churches that have not had all of that. And we just see the goodness of God and the generosity of His church. And I thought, wow, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that. And as far as our Freedom Fund, we've seen some incredible progress. Just in brief, quick numbers, seven years ago, we were at 1.3 million. This year we started off at $636,000, which means we've paid down about half. And as I estimate, we have some funds coming through even in January, some matching funds from gifts through Facebook and other things that are coming through. So we don't have a clear number, but I would say we're in the range of 300000 which means we've seen that six thirty-six cut more than in half. And we're within striking distance. And I am blessed. I'm excited. Did we hit the goal that I was cheering for? No, we didn't. Am I disappointed? No. No, we've seen great progress. And I think we're going to be in a different place as a church this coming year. So I'm excited. And we still haven't seen the final numbers. We will see how it all washes out. But we are moving in the right direction and great progress in COVID year and that is an amazing gift of God so let's thank the Lord together for his faithfulness to us as a church amen thank you Lord thank you Lord I want to talk this morning just kind of open my heart with you and talk about my vision what I believe God's put in my heart for City Hill Church for 2021 it's our first Sunday of the year And as I was preparing to, for this year, I felt the Lord say, you need to get away. You need to get away. I try to do that in November of each year. I set up a time up at a Christian conference center, a place for pastors, and I took a week and said, I just want to stop all the noise, all my to-dos, all my agenda. I want to get away and meet with the Lord. Uh. So Janet and I went up there for five days up to this conference center. And as I was preparing for this year, I did something I've never done before, where I felt the Lord say, take the prophetic words that I've spoken to you, to the church over many years, every word you can find. Take it and look over them together. Not just individual words, but let's see what God has had in his heart for us as a church over the last number of years. So that's what I did. You see, there's different ways that God speaks to us, right? One way God speaks to our heart. Had that where the Lord puts a word in your heart? And those words, we say things like, I have a sense of the Lord, or God spoke to me, or I have an impression. These are all kind of spiritual words we use that says, God put a thought in our brain And then it didn't just drift away, right? Those words that have greater strength, there's a lot of thoughts that pass through our brain during the day. It's a good thing we don't have a sign above our head to all those thoughts, right? That would not be a good thing. Lots of thoughts go through our brains, and we're learning to take every thought captive to the Lord. But then there's certain things where God puts a word in your heart that has weight to it, and you say, oh, I believe the Lord's put this word in my heart. That's one way God speaks to us. Another way God speaks to us is through his word. And the word of God is being attacked more and more and more. And I believe that we can never get away from the word of God. Amen? We have. If, when you start saying, hey, I was talking to somebody recently and he's going, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm not sure I really believe this, and I'm not sure this is really, and you start questioning, it's good to question, it's good to think, it's good to debate, but when you put your opinion over the word of God, you've stepped off, and you're in dangerous grounds, and I say God speaks through the word, so when God puts a word in your heart, we always go back to his word, you go back to his word, and say does that align with what God has spoken to us through his unchanging word the word of God but God also speaks to us through his prophets and I have so enjoyed and so appreciated those who God is gifted in prophecy and God has put that the ability to speak his word into our lives and I so appreciate their words to us and so when I went away I brought my Bible I brought numerous words. And may I just say, when you have a word from a prophet, it never overrides the word of God. Amen? We, we appreciate those words, but they have to be filtered and judged by God's word himself. And so I spent some time looking, praying with whiteboards and flip charts and just trying to see, Lord, what are you speaking to us as a church? I just wanted to share some of those things that God um, spoke to me during that time away. Um, I believe that in the next year, and like Curtis said today, the freedom does not end when 2020 ended. God always wants to continue to move us into freedom. And the word that I felt for this next year was the word Empowered that God wants to give his power to us in a new and fresh way. And as I've been letting this word drop into my soul, I see how central it is to the gospel that God doesn't want us to be weak and feeble, inept Christians. He's brought his Holy Spirit to us to empower us to do his work. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Empowered, to do the works that God has already set up for us to do and empowered to live the life he has for us. Every Sunday morning, my thought process every single morning as I get up to preach is, God, my words won't do any good at all. I'm very aware of that, that I can speak, go blah, 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 and you can all go home, and nothing will change unless the Holy Spirit takes those words and changes hearts. And i got to tell you how exciting it is for me as a pastor. when I pray, Sometimes people say, Pastor, that sermon was great. You know, the Lord spoke to me, and I'm thinking, I didn't say that. I maybe said something that God took that little verse, and that brought them down a different direction, and the Lord met them, and lives were changed. And I go, praise God for his faithfulness. It's what he wants to do in life. And when God comes and uses my words or your words or the worship time or the time of service leading or whatever to change lives, that's what we're about. That's what we're about. And so Acts, some of the scriptures that speak of empowerment, Acts 1.8, Jesus says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I tell you, I've grown up in the charismatic church most of my life, since high school. I've heard Acts 1-8 preached many times. I have preached it many times. And yet our focus at times has been, and you will receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I believe that to be true. And that's good, and we want to move and grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I believe the Lord wants to tell us also, Or maybe, first of all, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. God wants to give our lives power. Colossians 1.11, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, that you would have great endurance and patience. We needed the power of God to get through last year. We need the power of God to get through the challenges that we face in our families. The challenges we face in our finances. We need the power of God. You know, this Dave Ramsey course, beautiful course, solid principles. It's good to go to. I love it. But we need the power of God to walk it out. Our flesh is weak. Our flesh, you know, the scripture says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Our tendency is to go astray. We need the power of God to walk out our Christian lives. Ephesians 1.18, I ask that the eyes of your heart be enlightened so you can know the hope of his calling, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and the surpassing greatness of his power to those who believe. God has power for us. In Ephesians 6.10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It goes on and on. The Lord has power for us, victory for us. And I don't mean sometimes we hear these words and you picture power means we're going to be shouting. And I don't think that's always power. That may be enthusiasm. But God has power for us. God's plan his design for our lives. His purpose is to fill you with power. When I think of power, though, you think of a bomb exploding. Power is to go somewhere, right? It's not just power to hide and sit and be stagnant. Power has purpose attached to it. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. So God has established a church with leadership, and they have a job to do. And What's the job to do? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. So all you saints, raise your hand. All right, you at home, raise your hand, okay. Saints. All those who love Jesus. And the job of the church is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So God saved you because, one, he loves you, but he has a purpose for you. And part of the church is to arrange things and put things in place or opportunities so that you can, if your service is through the church, and not everybody's is that through the church. But if God has you in service to the church, that we would find opportunities for people to fulfill their purposes in God. To equip the saints. You know, to equip. It's Curtis said some good things this morning. You started off the sermon. Good job, man. It's not a social club. But our fellowship and our communion is very important. But that's not the end all. It's to equip us, or to empower us, to train us so that the work that we do is effective. You know, you can be very busy and not be very effective. You can be very busy and be destructive. But we want to see people fulfilling their purposes in God, a releasing, an empowering of our people. I like that word empowered in the original language is dunamis, which is like dynamite. Wouldn't you love it if your life was just explosive? And I don't mean that you're going to be damaging things around you, but explosive for God, that where you go, lives are touched. Where you go, people get ministered to for Jesus. You know, one of the things that's built into there is just a rejection of passivity. I don't think God is a passive God. Everybody say amen. That God is not passive. He's not just sitting back there seeing what happens. God is actively at work. And I think God calls us to activity. Not crazy, frenetic activity, but directed. God-empowered activity. That dynamite activity so that where you go, the kingdom of God advances. You know, one of the, this is a sidelight here, but one of the things that I believe God's doing as he's paying off our debt is freeing us up for greater forward movement. I feel like this last year kind of destroyed many plans, and it made things difficult to move ahead because, well, you can fill in the blank. Travel and inability to gather and all the challenges we faced, it, it, it was a difficult hurdle for us. And we're not totally out of it, but I be, believe the Lord saying, trust me to move forward, to take ground this coming year. And that God wants to empower us in doing that. And I like that word empower. Because think of that first It's not just power, but it's empower, like embody. Or in a negative sense, something embitters. It's when bitterness drops inside. Well, God wants to empower us. But that means that power comes from somewhere. It's not just working out at the gym, as good as that may be. It's not just digging down deep. It's being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's my prayer for us this year, that we would say, Lord, I need your power. I cannot do it on my own. But Lord, strengthen me to do your purposes and your will. We have a code at City Hill. If you don't know it, it's just picture the letters C-O-D-E. It's to be a community of believers. Amen? Community. Reaching out to the world with the love of God. So we're we're reaching out, growing as disciples of Jesus. We're not just early Christians, but we want to grow in our walk, in our depth as Christians, who are empowered by the Spirit of God. So that E is realizing that all of this is based upon God's work in and through us. If you're like me and you walked with the Lord for a while, you've tried to do some things on your own power. You've tried to do it, you got some good idea, and you've tried to run with it. And it's okay to run with something of God and not reach the goal. You're following God with all your heart. But there are times where you run with something, you realize, yeah, I should have prayed. Yeah, I should have sought the Lord. I should have listened to that check. Ooh, I, uh, I did that in my own flesh. And normally God is faithful to have us hit the wall when we do that. And we go, all right, God, I can't do that in and of myself. I need the strength of God. And God's like, all right. Now we're tracking. Now we're, now we're on track here. How can I empower you to do the work that I have prepared for you to do? So people who are empowered by the Spirit of God. you know, And being, really, being empowered is central to everything we do at church. I want to take us back to a thing that I talk about. What does it mean to be a part of City Hill Church? And I want you all to really understand that I try to simplify it down to W plus two. W, our worship services. Whether you're worshiping with us online or you're worshiping with us here in person, I believe being together is important. That we are not made to be lone rangers. It's not just you and God. And that's why I encourage, I mean, those who are online are being faithful to what God's shown them. And they're a part of us, those that are here in person. I have an emotional uh, excitement of the day when we, we can all be together in person. That's not today. But something happens. There's people I miss seeing. I miss hugging. I'm a hugger. You know? And I, I think, you know, for, for those online, here's an air hug, not a bear hug, an air hug. There you go. Um, social distancing is necessary and painful because we need each other. We need to be drawn. You look at the scriptures and they were together and they were in one accord and they gathered together and they prayed together. It isn't just they sent out a notice and everybody prayed where they were. They came together. And I think part of this whole COVID is attack of the enemy to drive us into isolation and drive us apart. And it's had its effect. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And please, for those who are joining online, I am encouraging you to do as God has called you to do. And many need love and great compassion for people around them have stayed separated. And I say thank you. But praise the Lord, these days will end when that is necessary. And God calls us to be together. So coming together, that's W, the worship time together. Plus two, one is life groups. As a church, you know, I was a part of a church in California. Fantastic church, wonderful church. I was a pastor in that church. We had 21 pastors. In my last Sunday, a leadership, a young leadership guy asked if I was visiting the church. I'd been there for years. He asked if I was a visitor and I was a pastor. And he was in leadership. And we'd never seen each other. You know, when your church is thousands, that's just reality. It's a city. And we went to different services and I'd never seen this guy. I never did tell him I was a pastor I didn't want to embarrass the poor guy. No, I'm a pastor here, dude, you know, come on. Um, But it kind of spoke to me to say, it's hard to have family with 10,000 people. You don't know that many names. You can't know that many people. But God's given us a church where we can do that. And I pray we grow. Some of those challenges may be good challenges. But the way that you grow, even here on Sunday morning, you won't really get into people's lives. We really need to have smaller contexts in which we grow. I was looking over our life group list. We're going to have a, um, a sign-up Sunday, next Sunday. An easy way to step into new groups. We have 15 different groups we're offering here at church. I really encourage you, be a part. Don't be isolated. It's a part of us joining. Where Who, who cries with you? Who prays with you? Who Texts you when times are tough. Who are you walking with in this world? We really need that togetherness, which comes in smaller contexts. You can come to this church Sunday mornings, especially if you're coming online. We don't even know who's out there online. But you can come to this church every Sunday morning and still be somewhat separated. Find a group where you can open your heart, be prayed for, people who are walking with you in the challenges and the victories of life. One of the great things of a men's group I'm in is I I challenge us to celebrate the good things. Says, Hey, I had a victory in this area this week. People go, yeah, high five! You know, someone can cheer you on. Who cheers you on in your victories? We need each other to have victory in this life. Alone, we're vulnerable. And I'm tired of watching brothers and sisters get picked off. We really, really need each other. So that's the life group part, and the third part I would say, the other plus two, is service. I believe that God has a place of service for each and every one. Now, hear me, I am not saying necessarily service in this church. God may have your service be somewhere else, in your business, in your work, in your neighborhood, in a ministry that you're a part of. And I say, praise God, it's about the kingdom of God. Amen? It's not about the kingdom of City Hill Church. It's about the kingdom of God. And if God's leading you to serve in that other area, hallelujah, obey the Lord. But I encourage us to find areas where we can serve. Find the giftings, the abilities, the areas that interest you, and find a way to be a part of serving. Because God has saved us because He has plans and purposes for each and every one of our lives. Somebody may say, well, yeah, but I'm really hurting. I go, sometimes a way to heal from hurting is by serving. We don't wait till we get all fixed up. If we waited till we got all fixed up, there'd be nobody serving. We're all in this journey together. And I say, let's work on that this year, that you could be together in worship, together in a smaller group, and finding a place where you can serve. To find an outlet where the Spirit of God can fill us with power, but power for a purpose. Power to change us inside, but also for a purpose for where we can be a part of God's kingdom advancement. So that's one word God spoke to me. Another word was the word partnership. It's very interesting that over the past year or two, City Hill has been developing a partnership with Steiger Ministries. Beautiful ministry, reaching people who are far from the gospel. And over time, we have, where's Bobby? Bobby and her husband, Paul. Paul is the Minneapolis director of Steiger Ministry. Now, this has been developing over the last years, and we're growing in opportunities, in trust, in relationship with this beautiful ministry. But that's not all. Um, God's been working behind the scenes, and I have a fun little story to tell you here. Um, you remember Esther Holmes, right? They lived in the ministry house, mission house right across the property, and last year they came to me, talked to Kurt and I, and said, we've been praying, we love you guys, we appreciate you guys, and we're leaving. And I, honestly, I was sad. I mean, it's like, I guess you want people to leave on the best of terms, right? But still, it's like, oh, but I love what you do, and I love having that on campus. And they said, yeah, and we have prayed, and we just feel that God's calling us to focus just on our work in St. Paul for this time, and it's been clear from the Lord, and we don't really get it, but we're leaving. And I thought, Lord, okay, what do you have? This home is a home that you have brought to us, not just... Or income, but Lord, you have ministry to flow from this place. And I normally have lots of ideas. If you know me well enough, you know I have ideas. And I was at zero. I called the elders and said, just in case you think I have this figured out, I don't. I don't have any plans. I don't know where to go with this. May God open the doors. So another guy who has a lot of ideas is my brother Steve. Is Steve here today? Not sure they're with Steve has a lot of ideas. So I called my brother Steve, who's on the leadership team of YWAM Minneapolis, and he didn't take my call. I called him again, he didn't take my call. I just—I wanted to say, Steve, do you have any, know any ministries or people who are looking for a place and, hey, just want to let you know the house is opening up, and I left my message for him. Well, the reason he didn't take my call is because he was in a prayer meeting. And what I had no idea of is that YWAM Minneapolis had been given notice to leave their property in Rockford. The owner, they didn't own the property, and the man who owned it had decided to sell the property. He's elder, and he wanted to sell it, and he's found a buyer, and he told them, your time is coming down. Steve said it was pretty funny. We were praying, oh God, tell us where to go. Lord, show us a direction, and you're calling in during the prayer meeting, saying, we have this property, and I'm going, no, I can't answer your phone call now. We're praying here. He so said, it felt a little bit like the servant girl and Peter, they're praying for Peter to get released, and Peter's knocking on the door, and she's like, we're praying for Peter here. And Peter was there at the door. So Steve Ant looked at his uh, messages that I left for him and went, look at that what is god up to here so we've had some meetings meetings with elders meeting with different leadership at our church and we've come to the decision before the lord that on april 1st ywam minneapolis will be moving a major portion of their ministry right here to our campus praise the lord Praise the Lord. And this will be a change. I am excited about it. Um, I'm excited their schools will take place right here in our classrooms. You'll be seeing international students from all over the world joining us for times of worship. There will be a, a passion for nations and for outreach from these students who are coming here to learn and grow with us. And you know what? We will learn and grow with them, won't we? And we see how God opened the door. You know, when Esther Holmes heard about that, they were like, Oh, now I get it. That's why God was leaving. We never would have asked them to leave. No way. But they said that's what God was doing when we didn't understand it at all. God was having us vacate the house because God had plans for YWAM to move this direction. So that's happening April 1st. And we will see that there will be a new chapter in our life as a church. And I went back to some of these prophetic words when I was away. It's always helpful that prophetic words have spoken years before you know what's going on, and then you see God fulfill. In 2017, here's a prophetic word. There's a movement coming. There's going to be greater partnerships that are going to come your way. They're going to extend their hands and say, Will you partner with us? Can we partner with you? In 2018, another prophetic word. Kent, there's going to be training for missionaries here. I mean, deep training and unashamed. It's going to reach beyond True Bridge. Others that come are going to hold a particular school and it's going to be short-term training and it's going to be power-packed. It's going to have experience, dripping with experience. I remember reading those words thinking, how's that going to happen? How's God going to do that? And then we look and go, wow, by this summer, we'll have missions training schools right here on our campus. God's been at work. One other word the last, that I'd share today is that consistently there were words to us from all over the place that this is going to be a sending church. A sending church, an Antioch church, a missional church. We've always been that as a church. What's that look like? Well, Acts 1.8, receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And I believe one thing we're going to grow in is being sent into Jerusalem. Steiger has opportunities for us to go and do ministry in downtown Minneapolis, but it's much more than just evangelization. God's going to call us and train us how to be sent into our neighborhoods and into the places where we work. You are strategically placed into the areas that you work to be a light for the kingdom in those areas. And I don't mean just start a Bible study. I mean doing work that glorifies God. Being a light for Christ right in the areas where he's called you right now, into Jerusalem, but then I jumped to being sent by God into the ends of the earth. We'll talk about the other one some other day, but one of the prophetic words on, on us was that, um, I want to get this right, that God would have people who would be inviting us from other nations to say, come help us. And I received a call, and I'm just throwing this out there in the early stages. I could wait till it's all done and let you know, but I want to just bring you into something that God is speaking to us, or at least that we're checking out. We had this word that there would be invitations from other nations to come and help us. World's a big place, right? What direction do you go? There's lots of opportunities, and there won't just be one answer to this. But something that's been upon our heart in leadership is to have this church be a part of seeing the gospel go where it is not. We've always been a church planting church, and many times we've planted churches here in Minnesota and in Minneapolis. Praise the Lord. Some of those churches are going well today. I do have a passion to see the gospel go where it is not and see the Bible translated for people who don't have the word of God. One of the, I believe, a Christian right that everybody has is to see the word of God and to have the word of God in their own language. Can you imagine trying to follow Jesus and not having an English Bible? I speak Spanish. I can study, I can read the word in Spanish, but it is not the same. I read a word and I think, what does that mean? God, looked at it. It's a foreign language to me, even though I can speak it. But having the Word of God in English matters greatly to us. And I believe that God wants the Word of God in every language of the world. So I get this call from a friend of mine, been friends for 30 years. He's the president of YWAM Ships. And they have 20 some ships around the world. This is Mercy Ships, this is YWAM Ships. And he says, Kent, we're working in Papua New Guinea. And we're working among tribes that do not have the the Bible in their local language. Could you help us? Could City Hill come help us? Could we help get the the oral language, not just a written word, because these are not written languages, but could we help get the scriptures, the, the Jesus movie, which is the Gospel of Luke, could we help get it into these oral languages so that these people can hear the good news of Jesus in their own language, see it visually, to impact these people in their own mother tongue. And He says, I just felt led to call you and say, could you come help us? And I said, brother, we're going to be praying about that. We're going to be looking at that. I get excited about being a part of what God is doing, that every nation would have the gospel. And he says, we have, we've already done 50 languages in Papua New Guinea, and we want to do a whole lot more. Could you help us? And so we're praying about that. And I looked at these, these prophetic words. That uh, Here it is. It says, I see hands coming from another country. We need your help. God is saying you need to raise up a team that could go. City Hill is a sending house. That was Clem Ferris, 2017. And I go, praise the Lord. Let's see what God wants to do through us. Locally, and to nations that have yet to hear the gospel in their own mother tongue. So City Hill, let's be a church empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let's be a church that will Receive all that God has for us. And then say, God, use me to have an impact on this world. Let me pray. May you be filled with the Holy Spirit. May you receive power from on high so that each of you can fulfill the purposes for which you were created. Amen. I want to close the time of communion. And we are, as a church, working through the book of John, 21 days, 21 chapters. Book of John, if you don't have this booklet, they're at the table out there in the middle. It's not too late to join. We're only on day three. I encourage you, each day, read one chapter. It's all laid out, a pretty little book here. Thank you, Kurt. I love it that we're working through something together. And every day, every morning, I put a post on our Facebook page, just what the Lord's spoken to me in that day from that chapter. Join me on that Facebook page, the City Hill Facebook page. It's a post. Make some comments, what God speaks to you through his word, one chapter a day. Anybody can do it in 10 minutes. But I was reading through John about thinking of communion. And, you know, John's the one gospel that doesn't lay out the communion story. Matthew, Mark, and Luke do, but John doesn't lay it out quite in the same way. Yet there's a scripture in 6:53 that sounds a lot like communion. Jesus said to them, verily, or very truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise them up in the last day. You know, when he, Jesus said this, They went crazy. They're like, okay, that is too much. This guy wants us to eat his flesh, drink his blood. This is strange. This man's crazy. And the crowds left him. But we realize that Jesus was not talking about physically eating his flesh and drinking his blood. But he was speaking metaphorically. Speaking of becoming one with him. And communion reflects that oneness with him. And I tell you, Jesus is looking for us this year. If we're going to walk in his power, we're going to walk in daily relationship with him. Not just attending church, not just being a part of a program, but walking in oneness, in communion with him. And that's really what communion is about. It's saying, Lord, I want you to penetrate Every cell in my body, as I drink the juice, as I eat the bread, Lord, come reign in all of me. May that be our prayer this year. As you start this year, say, Lord, any area that I've held back, it's all for you, Lord. So let's take the elements that we have. You at home, if you have some elements there. Let's take these together as his family. For I received from the Lord that what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take of the bread. Thank you, Lord. In the same way he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take up the cup together. Lord, may the bread and the cup The juice, Lord, may it penetrate every cell of our bodies. In this new year, we rededicate our lives to you for holiness and that in your power, your plans and your purposes would be fulfilled in each one of our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 Thanks for being together this morning. If you're our guest, please meet with me out at the Welcome Center. And if you'd like someone to pray with you, to seek the Lord with you together, we'll have someone back here in our prayer room to join you today. God bless and have a great week.